Something to note, Der Ring des Nibelungen is among the most influential operas of the modern era. For this adaptation, we've streamlined the story and supplemented it with additional research into the Norse mythological influences of Richard Wagner. It may not be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you enjoy it. And be warned, today's episode contains depictions of violence, murder, and some sexual content. Please exercise caution for listeners under 13. The dream is always the same. It begins with the gold, the nymphs who will fail in their duty, the dwarf who will sacrifice love for power, the gods who will seal their own fate. And the tree of life will fall, and the world will end in fire and flood. But prophecies are slippery creatures. They dart like minnows through the river of time. Hard to see, even harder to catch, but not impossible. A warning. In the right place, at the right time, perhaps it is not too late. Hura! Hura! Listen to me, Votan! You must listen! The twilight of the gods is upon us! Please do not seek the ring! Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today's story concerns a legendary artifact, a ring with the power to control the world one whose influence corrupts so completely it can bring a whole kingdom to its knees, a ring whose owner lives out their days in misery and paranoia, a prisoner to its consuming power. No, we're not talking about Tolkien. Today we're exploring the original Lord of the Rings, Richard Wagner's epic opera cycle, The Ring of the Nibelung, a tale of gods and monsters, power and corruption. You may be familiar with some of the characters in the following story, as they're based on Norse mythological characters we've met previously on this show. But seen through Wagner's lens, these Germanic versions may not always act like the gods you know. In the first of our series on Wagner's epic, we watch as hate forges the ring, and the gods of Valhalla secure their doom. Coming up, a dwarf has his heart broken for the last time. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. In 1848, German composer Richard Wagner had a singular idea to write four interconnecting operas in the style of ancient Greek plays. In ancient Greece, dramatists like Aeschylus wrote sets of four plays to be performed together, three tragedies and a comedy called a satyr play. Wagner wanted to mine ancient Germanic and Norse myths to create a similar cycle for opera, unlike anything seen before. Around 26 years and countless drafts later, he'd done it. His opera cycle, The Ring of the Nibelung, consisted of three operas, The Valkyrie, Siegfried, and The Twilight of the Gods, and a prologue called The Rheingold. Wagner's works are famous for changing what an opera could be, but he didn't only influence other composers. Nearly 100 years later, author John Ronald Rule Tolkien found inspiration in both Wagner's sources and the operas themselves. It's hard to say exactly how much of Tolkien's stories came from the Ring of the Nibelung. Tolkien's ring is meant to rule them all and must be destroyed lest an evil villain use it to conquer the world. Both themes that show up in Wagner's operas. The professor himself resisted the comparison. In one letter, he claimed that both rings were round, and there the resemblance ceased. But this feels a little hard to believe. Tolkien admitted to drawing inspiration from older Norse myths, and there are many magical rings in those stories, though none with the vast power Wagner's has. In Wagner, as in Tolkien, the ring blazes with fiery runes spelling out an enchantment. And Wagner's ring, like Tolkien's, symbolizes the theme of uncontrollable destruction. Such a powerful weapon cannot be controlled, even by those with good intentions. It must be destroyed, or it will bring about the end of the world. The haze of the morning had finally dissipated, and the sun sparkled merrily on the surface of the Rhine. The river teemed with life. Small silver fish darted beneath the surface. Bumblebees and bright butterflies buzzed drowsily in the midday sun. The river itself seemed to glow with summer ease, a golden light shining from its depths. 
Splashing in the shallows were three maidens, the beautiful nymphs who guarded the Rhine. Far back from the riverbank, in the shadow of a fallen tree, the dwarf Alberic watched. Such beautiful creatures, and three of them more than enough for one lonely dwarf. And I have been so lonely. Sisters, be careful. We must not stray too far from the gold. Father said... Ah! Ah, gold, they say. This really is my lucky day. Well, I mustn't keep them waiting too long. Good morning, my lieblings. Who's there? What do you want? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Just to bask in your exquisite beauty. <laughs> and of course, I'm curious about this gold. Were you eavesdropping on us? Of course not. I was merely... Enjoying your performance in the glow of the river you look. Lovely. <laughs> your skin's so fresh and plump and soft. Mm, how my arms ache to embrace just one of you. Ugh, ignore him, sisters. He's just a desperate old imp. Wait, I'm terribly sorry. I did not mean to offend you. I come from the mines of Nibelung, a place that no such beauty has ever touched. Please, don't dismiss a poor creature so callously. Let me start over. I am Alberic, the dwarf. What, pray tell, are you doing in this river? Guarding the Rheingold. Rheingold? F forgive me, I'm not familiar. You really must have been living in a cave. The metal that lies beneath this river holds immense power. A weapon forged from the Rheingold will give its master wealth and influence beyond measure. The ability to move mountains, control the weather, even bring the gods themselves to their knees. But power comes with a price. Oh, what's that? Whoever denies the power of love, whoever banishes the delights of the flesh, only they can bend the Rheingold to their will. Ah, of course. And what a catch. I see why no one has yet taken it. Who could give up love when they gaze upon you three? You should be careful. One of these nights I might sneak back to this river and steal you while you're sleeping. Tie you up and haul you back to Nibelheim to serve the rest of my days as my wife. <laughs> but of course, I'm a gentleman. At this, two of the Rhine maidens looked horrified, but one swam to the bank, a curious expression on her face. Alberic's heart bloomed in his chest as she smiled at him. A gentleman, you say? It has been a while since we've met one. Most of the gods and heroes just try to take what they want from us. Oh, I would never. The maiden beckoned him closer, leaning out of the water. And what is it that you want, dear sweet dwarf? Now why ask a question you already know the answer to? You knew I was hiding in the underbrush, didn't you? That's why you were frolicking in the river, so... 
After all, why put on a performance without an audience, my dear? You know what I want. The Rhine Maiden's eyes burned as she brought her face up to Alberic's, her soft lips almost brushing his. A tingle of anticipation raced down Alberic's spine, settling in his groin. He closed his eyes, ready to taste her sweetness. <laughs> Instead, he got a mouthful of river muck. You hateful wench! Blow it out your bellows, dwarf. Laughing, the Rhine Maiden dove back into the river. You, you think you can make a fool out of me? Enraged, Alberic leapt into the river, sending the Rhine Maiden scattering. I don't need you or any lover. All I need is your precious Rhine gold. Alberic reached the sand where the golden glow emanated. He thrust his hands into the rushing river and withdrew the source of the light, a massive nugget of gold. On the Rhine gold, I swear, never again will I be deceived by a woman. I have no use for love, for affection, for the pleasures of the flesh. I denounce love and embrace power. High on a mountaintop above the Rhine, a grizzled warrior peered across the horizon. With one eye, he inspected the fortress before him like a jeweler examining a rare gem. Massive wooden logs as thick as towers held an enormous roof. Carved figures peeked out from its many gables, dragons and sea monsters standing guard against the wind. Finally, a hall befitting the gods graces the realm. Valhalla is finished. <sighs> Which means it's time to pay the builders. Wotan had been dreading this day for months. To build his fortress, he needed workmen of superhuman size and strength. He'd hired the giant Fafna and his brother Fazold, but builders of their size naturally expected a similarly hefty payment. What am I going to do? I cannot give them Freya. She deserves to be up here feasting in Valhalla, not forced into marriage and servitude in distant Jotunheim. You should have thought of that before you offered her up. A voice seemingly from nowhere echoed over the mountainside. Wotan sighed as a pillar of flames erupted in midair next to him. When they dissipated, a small, hunched man with clever eyes stood in their place. This is your fault, Loga. <laughs> Hardly. You were the one who signed a bad contract. The greatest palace ever built in return for your sister-in-law, goddess of love. Never mind what she might want. You told me to make the deal. You promised me you'd find another solution. I promised I'd try. But poor Freya is the least of our problems now. I've heard whispers all throughout the Nine Realms. Whispers of a dwarf who's taken control of all of Nibelheim. The Rhine Maidens told me this 
Alberic stole the Rhinegold right out from under them. They entreated me for your help. <laughs> you must go down to Nibelheim, take the gold back from Alberic, and return it to the Rhine. I have enough to handle already with these giants. The Rhine Maidens must wait. You don't understand. If Alberic forges this gold into a weapon... Enough! I can't hear this now. The builders are upon us! Two hulking figures had appeared at the edge of the mountain clearing. Fazolt and Fafne had come for their wages, and struggling between them, her hands grasped in their massive fists, was Freya. She shot a look of white-hot rage at Votan. We've been working day and night to raise your fortress, breaking our backs to bring Valhalla to life. But now your goddess says she will not come with us. Fafne, Fasol, Freya, please. I'm sure there's some deal we can work out. Anything you want, just name it. We want what we're owed. We want Freya. There has to be something else. Please, Loge's been looking for a suitable payment. Haven't you, Loga? I have? Oh, yes, I have! My dear friends, I've searched all nine realms of the world tree to find an appropriate prize. And? Ah, yes, right. Well, it seems to me that anything we give you in place of Freya must be equal to her in stature, yes? Yes. Exactly. Well, in my search, I've come to find that, well, there is no man on heaven or earth that would take something else in the place of Freya's loveliness. I could have told you that. We're sick of this stalling. My brother and I entered a bargain in good faith. We've held up our end. Votan, you must hold up yours. Wait, Fafner, Fossil, my friends, what if I told you that there was something we can give you that was worth more than love itself? Votan, what are you doing? I was just hearing that down in Nibelheim, there is a dwarf lord, Alberic. He has given up all the pleasures of love and affection in return for the Rhinegold, the enchanted riches of the Rhine River. With such payment, you could live like kings in Jotunheim, marry any beautiful giantess your heart desires. Any giantess? No, the Rhinegold is not yours to give. I know, Loka. Neither option is mine to give. I will pay the Rhine Maiden somehow. No, you don't understand. It's not just the gold. Very well. We accept your offer. Votan turned to Loga with a resigned smile. Votan, we can't. I'm sorry, but we must. Come, Loga. You must ascend to Nibelheim. We have a dwarf to catch. Coming up, the gods' journey to the realm of the dwarves. What could be more shocking than uncovering the dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? Realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Molly from the Parkhand series Conspiracy Theories. Each week, we take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction revealing that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. The rise and fall of J. Edgar Hoover, 75 years of Roswell, the tragic death of Princess Diana. 
On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may be just outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. The air was dank and fetid this far underground. The caverns of Nibelheim were almost pitch black, save for the faint, sickly glow of the lichen that dotted the walls. A cacophony of noise echoed through the tunnels, thousands of dwarves digging, hammering, carving nuggets of wealth from the black rock. Wotan and Loga emerged from the darkness, both panting heavily with the effort of their descent. Where is that damned dwarf? It feels as if we've been crawling through tunnels for hours. Just a few more feet. Look, Wotan, I need to tell you something about the Rheingold. The Rhine Maidens warned. What? They're down there. The two gods crouched behind a large boulder. Beyond it, the tunnel spread wide. They were perched on a ledge overlooking a massive central chamber. Dozens of dwarves, the Nibelungs, scurried back and forth bearing piles of gold and silver ore. A fire blazed red hot as one dwarf stoked the flames. He pulled something out of it with a heavy set of tongs, a small circle glowing red. Mime, brother! It had better be ready. A dark figure, taller than the rest, emerged from a tunnel. Alberic had changed. Where once he was stooped and craven, now he stood tall with the confidence of power. He snatched a red-hot ring from Mime, the dwarf who forged it, ignoring how it sizzled against his skin. Such shine, such delicate craftsmanship, and here, the glowing runes of darkest enchantment. With this ring, my love be dead, and awful power be mine instead. Alberic slid the ring onto his finger. Instantly, Wotan could feel a thrumming power fill the room, making his hair stand on end. He could tell from the concern on Loga's face that Loga felt it too. That's what I was trying to tell you, what the Rhine Maidens warned me of. The Rhine Gold on its own is harmless, but if one is to forswear love forever, they can create a weapon, one that with just a thought can bring devastation and destruction to the entire universe. Look upon me, your lord of the ring, and despair! <laughs> Alberic raised his hand toward the assembled Nibelungs and gestured downwards. 
As one, they bowed low, their movements stiff and unnatural. Wotan could see their legs and backs straining as if against an irresistible force, tears trailing silently down their cheeks. Alberic let his hand fall, and the dwarves collapsed, yelping in pain and fear. They scattered, retreating to the safety of the tunnels. That ring. Oh, the mad dwarves really done it. A weapon to bring the world to its knees. Alberic turned back toward Mime, his hand outstretched and expectant. That's not all you were to forge, is it? There should have been enough of the Rheingold for one more piece. With reluctance, Mime produced an intricately carved golden helmet. It too glowed orange with runes, the words of a spell. Alberic placed it on his head. My Tarnhelm, come shades of night, let darkness fall. With those words, Alberic disappeared. Where did he go? Nibelons, bow before your lord. He is everywhere. <laughs> what are you all looking around for? Get back to work. And remember, I'll be watching. The cavern emptied and grew silent once more. Wotan and Loga emerged from their hiding place and descended to the chamber below. That ring. Yes, the ring. It is the weapon the Rhine Maidens warned of. It makes me shiver to think what he might do with it. The helm is less dangerous. I suppose we can give it to the giants. But that ring? That at least we must return to the Rhine Maidens. I might have known that those nymphs would send a pair of burglars to my kingdom. From the darkness, Alberic appeared, lifting the Tarn Helm from his head. The ring glowed red on his finger. Alberic, please, you must return your Rhinegold trinkets to their rightful owners. And who are you to speak to me with such familiarity? <laughs> who am I? I am the fire that burns in your hearth, the flame that lights your forge. We've known each other a long time, Alberic. We're old friends. You're no friend of mine, Loga. I've heard of your tricks and one-eyed Votan. What, am I supposed to bow before you? As guardians, stealing our lands, our gold, expecting us in the realms below to grovel for scraps? I have no use for gods. At least, no use for you personally. Your kingdom, on the other hand, I saw you've been building a fortress, Votan. I must say, the giant's work is exquisite. I can't wait to call it home. Wotan's eyes flashed with anger. A spear appeared in his hand, glittering with magic. Before he could make a move, Loga darted forward. Alberic, my friend, I see now you speak the truth. Your power and wealth will only grow with the influence of the ring. But tell me, aren't you worried? Why would I be worried? I am everywhere at once. I have the power to move mountains and bring my enemies to their knees. Alberic, your underlings are terrified of you. I'm still not seeing a problem. 
What Wotan is trying to say is, ruling with an iron fist requires constant vigilance, simply to keep it from rusting. I see how even your brother Mime cowers before you. If you're not careful, fear will beget resentment. You see all, Albrecht. But can you see all at all times? What are you to do when you have to rest? Won't your dwarves try to steal the ring? You think I'm a fool who hasn't thought of such things? This is why I have my Tarnhelm. With it, I can transform into any shape I choose. No dwarf would dare oppose me. <laughs> any shape? I thought it only shifted your form to shadows. If such an object truly did exist, it would be almost more powerful than the ring itself. You're right, Voltan. I find it altogether hard to believe. I see what you're playing at. But you think I'm lying? That I'm trying to outscheme the schemer? Behold, little godlings, the power of my helm. The dwarf had disappeared, folded into himself, his bones cracking and organs squelching. Before them stood a new form with four massive legs, a pair of bat's wings, and hard scales covered with the viscera of a new birth. The dwarf had become a dragon. Now do you believe me? Oh, most impressive. Terrifying. Of course, I never doubted you for a second, but why a dragon? What do you mean? A dragon is fearsome, true, but it's also large, easy to spot. Maybe it's just my nature, but I think the cleverer way to avoid danger would be to grow small, unnoticeable. Loga, how could he? It is one thing to grow large as a dragon. It's a much more difficult matter to become small. Even I haven't mastered that skill. King of the gods, they call you, when you are nothing more than a puny weakling. Let me show you what real power is. Where the dragon had once stood, now there was nothing but darkness. He's just gone invisible again. I'm not so sure. Look, down there! At their feet, a small toad hopped into the light. Get him! Loga pounced on the toad, trapping the wriggling creature. Votan seized a set of chains that had been cooling by the forge and wrapped them around the toad, tearing the Tarnhelm from its head and the ring from its toe. At once, Alberic appeared, in his own form, struggling against his bonds. Betrayers! Villains! Nibelungs! Seize these gods who attack your master! Around the cavern, eyes blinked in the darkness. The Nibelungs had gathered to see what all the commotion was about, but none of them stepped forward, not even Mime. None of your followers would save you now. You have no power here. Filthy, lying thieves! The ring is mine! Mine! Do not speak to me of thievery, dwarf! Tell me, from whom did you take the gold to forge the ring? Was it yours? I believe the daughters of the Rhine would say differently. 
You have yourself fooled, old One-Eye. You say I'm a thief, yet you would have done the same if you were able. But you're weak, unwilling to give up simple love for true power. Instead, you wait and plot to steal the ring from its maker. Tell me, Votan, are you really any better than me? I've sinned against myself, Votan. But if you take this ring, you sin against all that was, all that is, and all that shall be. Loga, come. We must return to Asgard. Freya is waiting. And the ring? Will we turn it to the Rhine Maidens? Hmm. We will see. Loga and Wotan disappeared, taking the ring and the Tarnhelm with them. The chamber lay empty, the Nibelungs fleeing to warmer caves. All that remained was Alberic, still chained, watching the place where Loga and Wotan had just stood. Since by curse it came to me, accursed be this ring. All shall itch to possess it, but none shall find pleasure in it. Since its gold gave me might, may its magic bring death to whoever wears it. Take good care of it, Wotan. Until I hold it again in my hand, whoever commands this ring shall be a prisoner to it. Coming up, the gods pay their debt and the ring finds a new bearer. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now back to the story. The ring glinted dully in Wotan's hand, the flame-bright runes of its enchantment now faded and smoldering. It was such a small thing, simple, weighing no more than a pebble, but deep in his heart, Wotan could hear the ring calling to him. If he were to put it on his finger just for a moment, just long enough to taste its power, to feel its humming energy become one with his own. Votan? Votan looked up to see Loga staring at him, eyes suspicious. Votan realized he was holding the ring a hair's breadth from the tip of his extended finger. Time to settle your contract, Votan. 
and then we must give the Rhine Maidens that which is rightfully theirs. Wotan nodded and slipped the ring into a pocket in his cloak. As they crested the mountaintop before Valhalla, the two gods found Fafne and Fazolt waiting for them. Freya sat in between, refusing to look at either of the giants. So you've returned. Fafna, Fazolt. We brought payment as we agreed, to settle our debt and free my kinswoman. Loga? Loga stepped forward, presenting the glittering Tarnhelm to the giants. The Rhinegold, forged into a magical helm. What is this? We were promised raw gold, enough to buy ourselves a kingdom. We've brought you something even better. Down in their forges, the dwarves made this helm. It has the power to change the shape of whoever wears it. You can fly like a raven or swim like a shark. It will give you dominion over shadows, allow you to cloak yourself in darkness and creep invisible on your foes. Wealth is one thing, but this will give you power. Loge whispered to Wotan. I only hope the Rhine Maidens won't be too upset. The giants examined the helmet closely. They consulted each other in low, buzzing voices. These sounds faded into the background of Wotan's consciousness. He could feel the heat of the ring pulsing, even through the thick wool of his cloak. Are you satisfied? It is not what we agreed to. But I believe it will do. My brother, however, remains unconvinced. This is what remains of the gold. Please, if there was anything else we could offer, we would. Hmm. There, Botan. What do you have in your hand? Wotan looked down to realize that without thinking, he'd removed the ring from his robe. He'd been absentmindedly stroking it. Now his fingers closed over it protectively. Nothing. It's nothing. That nothing glitters with the light of the Rhine. Give it to us, and we'll call the deal even. I am sorry, my giant friends, but the ring is not for us to give. I should have expected another dirty trick from such dishonorable gobs. We're done here. Friar is ours, as we agreed. The giants rose to their feet. Friar struggled between them, calling out desperately for help. No, you don't understand. We have no intention of sliding you, Fafna. We must return the ring to the Rhine Maidens. It's too dangerous to remain intact. Right, Votan? Wotan couldn't tear his eyes from the ring. It felt so right in his hands, like he'd been born to wield it. Return it to the Rhine Maidens? I don't believe I will. What? what? After all, why shouldn't I keep it? The Daughters of the Rhine said this weapon could bring the whole world to heal. Imagine what I could do with such power. It would be a paradise. No being from Asgard to Jotunheim would want for anything. We could cast any who dared to the fires into the deepest reaches of Helheim, seal them off on the world tree. There would be peace and prosperity forevermore. Photon, the ring must be returned. Why should it be? 
It came to me, called to me. I was the one to wrest it from Alberic's finger. I will be the one to wield it. I care not what you do with the helm, or with Freya. What is one goddess to the whole world? Votan slid the ring onto his finger. The runes once again glowed red hot, and tendrils of golden power wrapped around his arm, traveling up his body. It was as if he'd never truly used his senses. He could see for miles, hear sounds echoing from every realm of the world tree. His previous life felt like a dream. Now he had awakened. Betrayal upon betrayal. Photon, stay this madness. And you, Loga, with all your talk of returning the ring, I know what it is you truly seek. Oh, you wish to take it for yourself, to betray me, just as Alberic said. I won't let you have the chance. Votan raised his hand and a spear appeared, its tip shining silver with his fury. Freya screamed as he raised it high, aiming directly for Loga's heart. Go back, Votan! Go back! Darkness fell across the mountaintop, the mountain, the sun, Valhalla itself was blotted out from the sky as a primordial fog rolled in from unseen quarters. Votan swung his spear in a rage, but it met only air. All of them, Loga, Freya, Fafne, Fazolt, were gone. A figure appeared in the mist, drawing closer, her white robe glowing as if lit from within. A dark day is dawning for the gods. You must go back, Votan. Who are you? All that was, all that is, all that will be. I see every moment of it. I am Erda, mother of fate. Erda. Erda. I have never heard your name. We've met, my sweet Votan, in another life. In another time. But you must listen to me now. I see it in the water. The tree of life that supports all nine realms withering and dying. As guardians burning and drowning. So shall it happen, so it is happening. So it has happened. Gutedamerung. Judgment Day. So it's inevitable, then? I did not say that. The woman reached a hand out and cupped Votan's face. He gasped as he felt her cool skin on his cheek. A spark of electricity traveled from her soul to his. He could have sworn he'd never met this woman, but something about her touch, it felt so familiar. She smiled warmly, but her eyes were deep wells of melancholy. The ring you hold bears a curse. All shall seek to possess it, even kill for it. You will never find happiness with it, only fear and despair. A choice lies before you, Votan. 
and the fate of the universe hangs in the balance. Wotan looked down at his hand, the ring burning on his finger. What you are asking me to do, I cannot. She sighed, but there was no surprise in her gaze. She already knew what he would do. Until next time, Augenstern. But remember these words. Before Wotan's eyes, the mist faded and the sun shone once more. A voice still echoed over the mountaintop. Hura! Hura! Listen to me, Wotan! You must listen! The twilight of the gods is upon us! Please, do not seek the ring! Wotan! Wotan blinked, realizing he was back on the mountaintop. The others stared at him, the giants with anger, the gods' concern. Erda. Wotan looked down at his hand where the ring glowed on his finger. He could hear it whispering its dark words in his heart. Wotan, what will you do? Wotan pulled the ring off his finger and examined it. The runes burned bright, Alberic's enchantment blazing even in midday. But he could sense Erda spoke true. The delicate gold hid a dark curse. I cannot keep it. And I cannot let you have Freya. Take a payment. He tossed the ring in the air. The moment it left his fingertips, it was like a heavy load had been lifted from his body. The ring landed before the two giants. Fazolt, the more stoic of the two, bent to retrieve it. The moment he touched it, there was a change. His edges seemed sharper, his movements quicker. His back stiffened when his brother called his name. Fazolt, dear brother, let me see this ring that Wotan was so loath to relinquish. Fafner reached for the ring. But Fazolt slapped his hand away. Fazolt, you must let me see it. I gave up Friar for this trinket. Fazolt turned his back to Fafne, shrugging off his words. He examined the ring, running his fingers over and over the glowing runes. Of course you behave this way, selfish and greedy since you are a little boy. That ring is both of ours. Let me see it. Fafne lunged for Fazolt, and the brothers struggled, both only with eyes for the ring. You selfish pig! I already knew you would not share Friar with your brother. Now you leave me in the cold for a bit of gold? Give me that ring! It's mine! It's mine! It's mine! The gods looked on in horror as the giants fought, raining earth-shaking blows down upon each other. Finally, Fafne shoved Fazolt, and Fazolt stumbled, falling backward to the earth. Fafna jumped on top of him, wrapping his massive hands around his brother's neck. This is what you get for stealing my ring! Fafna released his brother's throat. 
Fazolt sputtered and coughed, but had little time to recover. Fafne picked up a nearby boulder, holding it high over his brother's head. Fafne brought the rock down, and his brother struggled no more. With delight, Fafne prized the ring from Fazolt's dead fingers and slid it on his own. My ring, <laughs> my beautiful, beautiful ring. <laughs> the gods watched in shock, unmoving, as Fafne departed, carrying the enchanted helm and the ring with him. He didn't spare a second glance toward his brother's lifeless body. I never thought... The ring would even turn brother against brother. It is cursed. Loga, take Freya to the safety of Valhalla. I must find the lady once more. She knew all that would happen. Only Erda can show me how to retrieve the ring. Either to lift the curse and master it, or destroy it for good. The gods left their mountaintop, each on a mission of his own. The sun had grown low in the sky, and as it dipped behind Valhalla, the shadows reached Fazolt, plunging him into darkness. From the Rhine far below, a chorus of voices warned. Return the gold! Only under the waves can the curse be lifted. The gold be cleansed. Bring it home! or suffer. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. Next week, join us for the next chapter in the Ring of Power, The Valkyrie. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Every Wednesday, we dive into the dark origins of another classic fable. We'll be back next week with the conclusion to this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythology was written by Molly Quinlan, edited by Andrew Kelleher and Robert Teamstra, fact-checked by Haley Milliken, researched by Adriana Gomez, and produced by Freddie Beckley. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Cameron Nicod, Julian Smith, and Laith Walshlegger. I'm Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>